This is Andy Perroff, Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm Dlob Jumbo Fun World Champion Lee Selby here in Cardiff, Wales. Lee, how are you? I'm good, thank you. It's good to hear. Now, obviously, you're returning to the ring on May 9th. You're facing George Combosus Jr. Talk to me about George and what do you know about him? George Combosus, he's a good fighter, number one challenger with the IBF. He's unbeaten, comes from Australia, trains, trains in America, a former sparring partner of Manny Pacquiao. So you've got to be good just to hang in the ring with him. Um, yeah, he's decent all around, pressure fighter, very, 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 very fast hands, faster than myself. But um, I believe my experience and, and ring IQ will, will be too much on the night. You mentioned during the press conference you've shared a few rounds with him in sparring. I know people always say sparring's only sparring, but what did you take away from that? People say sparring's only sparring, but sparring is the closest thing you're going to get to a fight. So I believe sparring means, means a lot when ju judging a fighter if you share the ring with him. And I'm, I'm, I'm unbeaten against all former sparring partners, Ricky Burns, um, Joel Brunker I shared the ring with. Um, I'm not sure if there's any more, but I, I've, I've beaten them and I expect this fight to go the same way. How do you expect the, the battle to play out between yourselves then on May 9th? I expect um, George Combosis to come out with a lot of pressure, trying to get in close and swing his fast hands. He throws a lovely uppercut, fast hooks, but I need another fly that with my, my long range boxing. You obviously moved up two weights a couple of fights ago now. Yeah. Going in now with George, to final eliminator for that IBF yeah. title. Who do you feel is more pressure on, you or George? Um, to be honest, the, the pressure on both fighters. But, but me, I, I'm, I'm a realist, you know, I'm, I'm 33. If I can't beat George Cambosis, I'm, I'm not going to win another world title. So if I, if I can, yeah, it's, it's probably more pressure on me. Because if I, if I lose this fight, where, where do I go next? With him, he's only young, he can build himself back up. Obviously, it's, it's knowledge that well, everybody knows you're obviously a free agent, you'll work with anybody you want to. What is your current contractual situation? I know you're working with Eddie and Matchroom now for this fight. Is there a long-term vision there? or? Well, hopefully I can win, win this fight. And we'll, we could um, maybe bring the, the, the world title fight, fight back to Cardiff. So, you'd have to speak to Eddie and see what he likes to do. Or, or my management too. <laughs> I tried to sneak out of that one. <laughs> And obviously, I just wanted to get your thoughts as well. If you win, you're the, the final, you win the final eliminator, you're going in then with either Vasyl Lomachenko, Teofimo Lopez, whoever wins their unification bout, an undisputed title fight. Firstly, what are your thoughts on their fight? I think it's a great fight, closer than what a lot of people think. Teofimo can, can, he can box, he punches very hard, and only takes one, one clean shot to knock an opponent out, no matter how good you are. So um, it's closer than what people think. Obviously, Lomachenko would have to be the, the favourite. But if he gets caught, you, you don't know what's, what's going to happen. How do you think you would fare against either of those, provided obviously you are successful on May 9th, you would go on to have to face one of them? I'd have to box to, my, to the very best of my ability. And there's some days in the gym when, when like, I box and I spy, and I believe no one can beat me. But it's just getting that... It's, it's only happened maybe three times, four times, five times in my whole career. I've been in the gym and I've spread and it's been flawless. No one's touched me against good fighters. If I can bring, if one of them days happens to be on that night, I've got a good chance to win. Well, Lee, I know you're going to be a busy man. I don't want to keep you for too long. So as always, I appreciate your time. What would you like to say to everybody, though, before I let you leave? Um, just thank you for the support. I hope you'll turn, turn, turn out of Cardiff. Come and watch me win my final eliminator and support me on to win the World Title. Lee, thank you for Boxing Social. Sure. Thank you.
This is Andy Peroff, Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm joined by Jamie Cox here in Wales. Jamie, firstly, how are you? I'm all good, thank you. Happy to be back, happy to be here, ready to go. It's good to hear and obviously let's get into that. You're returning, your first fight in probably over a year and a half now, yeah. is it? What have you been up to in your in your absence from the ring? Well, I had a few things going on outside. I had a newborn baby and uh, stuff like that. So I just took a time, a time away to spend time with my daughter. So, yeah. Obviously, you're returning on this May 9th, May 9th card at the Motorpoint Arena. We've seen you compete at world level. You've fallen just short as of yet in your career. With your first fight being back, obviously, for 18 months or so, what level of, of opposition do you think we will see you going against? Uh, I'm not too sure, but it would just be someone just to get back into the mix, as Eddie just said up there. Uh, and then and then just ready to go. Uh, you know me, Eddie knows that fights, man. I, I ain't picky and choosy. I'm ready to go with anyone. But this one, just come back into it. And then let's get... I, I, I like the big fights. You've obviously had a lot of time to reflect since the John Ryder defeat. What have you learned about yourself and that fight? Uh, I just learned that, you know, every everything needs to be on point. And um, fair play to John, the bare man one. Throughout your career, you've, you've obviously had those few defeats throughout. Where do you kind of see your future, of the, the future of your career going? How do you kind of see the coming months and the year playing out? Uh, I, I look forward to being involved in big, big fights. My, my, my goal and aspirations are always to be a world champion. I started off like that, I still have them. But I want some big fights, and uh, to get that, you need to be involved in big fights. So as long as I can get some big fights, then we'll see where we're at. But I'm ready. I'm, I've got the hunger to go and get get a world title. Obviously, you've linked up with Tony Borg as well. How's things been going with Tony? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, you know, I'm down in Wales and uh, training with Tony. Uh, just thinking about my boxing, and uh, yeah, just a change of scenery and uh, just uh, uh, a nice, fresh, fresh start. Well, what brought that change? Was it just simply because you fancied a fresh a fresh start, a new challenge, or yeah, yeah, just something fresh? And uh, you know, uh, John, John John Costello from Birmingham. He's not just much raised. He's like a second father to me, and uh, he always will be. And uh, yeah, John, he's uh, you know still still in contact, and I always uh, get his wise words. He's a fresh with Tony, brings something new to the game, a different approach to the boxing and the fight. And uh, let's go. Let's go and show it. Come eight and nine. I saw you obviously working with the Salby brothers as well. How, how are they looking? How's Lee looking? Ah, uh, come on. Yeah, Lee, Lee's most probably the most consummate pro in in the UK, and uh, yeah, he's looking tremendous. Obviously, he has a final eliminator. If he's successful, he has the the task of trying to dethrone one of Vasil Lomachenko or Teofimo yeah. Lopez, whoever wins a unification bout. How do you think Lee would fare against either of those? Lee Selby's Lee Selby. He, he, he's in that mix, uh, and and whoever gets it wrong on the night wins. And Lee's capable to beat them. Jamie, before I do let you go, what would you like to say to everybody ahead of your return to the ring on May night? Just uh, thank you, everyone, over the over, over the period for the support, and uh, be ready because I'll be ready for the night, and I'll put on a great show. Jamie Cox, thanks for Boxing Social. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers. This is Andy Peroff, Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm joined by Joe Cordina here in Wales. Joe, how are you? Not too bad, mate. Yourself? I'm all good, mate. Obviously, good to see you doing well yourself. 
you're fighting in your hometown of Cardiff. How does it feel to have another show back here and one where you're not underneath the Anthony Joshua's and etc.? Um, yeah, it's great. Obviously, it's on my doorstep, so for me, it's perfect. All the people that ain't able to come to the big shows and big events, where some, some, sometimes the tickets ain't available, they're too expensive, just gives them a chance to sort of come to a show, support, and um, enjoy a night, uh, a night of boxing. How, how key do you think that is to kind of just continue to build your own following? I know you're going to have a big one as of yet, but just to continue to grow that across Wales and further beyond? Yeah, it's important. Obviously, these are the people that um, have supported me from day dot when I was an amateur and then uh, now through the pose and obviously it's only going to get bigger but I've, I've got to do my, my job in the, in the boxing ring and um, keep winning because sometimes um, in sports you drop off and a lot of people drop off with it so you've got to uh, keep on performing, keep on getting the wins and, and um, yeah and just keep looking good. Obviously you're returning on the Salby Cambosos junior card on May 9th but what level of opposition should we anticipate seeing you in with? Well, it's world level. It'd be world level. The, the, three, the three opponents that um, Eddie was talking about um, are all ex-world champions. So for me, it's what I need. It's what I want. And um, I look to get a, a good win over either one of them. Any names? I'm not going to chuck it out then um, yet. But um, hopefully this week it'll be, it'll be uh, announced. When I was speaking to Eddie earlier during our interview, he said that he kind of feels that maybe you haven't necessarily slipped under the radar, but you maybe haven't had the credit you deserve for what you've achieved as of yet. We see all of you guys who were former Olympians kind of being pushed through maybe a bit quicker than what most boxers are. Do you feel that yourself? Do you feel that maybe you haven't received as much recognition as what others have? Yeah, but like Eddie said, like I don't, I'm not out there. I don't, I don't put myself out there like that. I'll just let my boxing do the talking. I've had 11 fights and won four titles. A Commonwealth British at, and, and a WBA um, international at lightweights, and I went into Continental at, at Super Feather. So for me, it speaks for itself. Um, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't do the trash talking. I don't do all that stuff. I just leave my boxing do the talking, and um, there's no pressure on me at, uh, at that stage. You get me? How do you kind of see the coming year playing out for yourself? And provided May 9th goes to plan and you are successful, you've mentioned it's going to be a world-level operator. Do we anticipate that you will have some type of world title shot in the near future? Yeah, obviously can look past this fight. So as soon as this, this, um, the fighter is announced, then my solely focus is on, on that fighter. So, um, yeah, uh, but I, my ideal scenario would be fight now, have another test in um, the, the summer, and then fight for a world title at the end of the end of the year or early mid this, um, 2021. So that's my ideal scenario. But like I said, once the opponent's annou uh, announced, my my solely focus is on on that fighter and, and May 9th. Obviously, there won't be many years between yourself and Lee, but Lee would have been a world champion just as you was turning over as a pro. Is he somebody you look up to, hence you know, sharing a card with him? Is that something that you're kind of very happy about and excited by? Yeah, well, I was in the same gym as him for a number of years and um, we sparred plenty of rounds and I learned a lot of things off, off Lee. Um, and yeah, and to be on the same card as him, it just, it's, it's great. It's two, um, it's two lads from from South Wales and we're looking to, to, to push on and be global superstars. It's, that's that's what our plans are and um, 
for me it is great. A lot of my family are friends with him and his family, so yeah, we're mutual. We know each other. Um, we know we uh, mutual uh, mutual people too. So um, yeah, it's it's great. It's great. Obviously, Lee's got a final eliminator. If he's successful against Cambosos Jr., he'll have to face one of Vasil Lomachenko or Teofimo Lopez once we've had their undisputed fight. A task that I'm glad it's not me who has to go in there with, but how do you think Lee would fare against one of those? Um, it's, it's one of them things, and he's been a world champion. He's had six defences, or five defences, and six world title fights, and he's boxed a lot of championship fights, like he said, up there today. Um, so he's he's very experienced, and like he said, he's a, an OG of the of the boxing game. He's been there, he's done it. So for me to step in, if I was to step in there, I just have, you just have to believe yourself because automatically when Lomachenko gets an, um, announced that you're fighting him, there's going to be questions. Not so much he's going to be asking you; it's going you're going to ask yourself, and it's whether you can cope with that and you can push past that. So. Um, I think it, it won't be down to the ability, boxing ability. It'll be because although he's unbelievable, Lomachenko, Luke Campbell did push him, and that fight is was how I how I expected it to go. Early on, Luke Campbell uh, causing him problems, and then he take over in the later rounds. But I think that's the thing that Selby's got to do is sort of go out there, believe in himself, and and um, answer the questions that he's going to ask himself. What is the style, or how exactly do you go about joining the gate? Lomachenko's qualities and to work around him to beat him? I don't know, like I think of the perfect style for, for to beat Lomachenko is someone like Mikey Garcia. And I would love to I'd love to see that fight, but unfortunately he's up to welterweights and he's flirting between Lightwell and Walter. So I'd love to see that fight and I think that style is perfect for him. Although he's fighting Teofimo Lopez who can punch. He's now proved that he's a world he, now he's a world champion, but he's at that level. Um, he knocked out uh, what's his name, uh, Richard Comey. Richard Comey was a very experienced fighter. Um, so yeah, it's just it's one of them things. Like Salby has to go out there, believe in himself, and just give it everything because there's there's no and there's no shame in in um, losing and then what you would gain if you beat uh, Lomachenko. So for me, you just have to go out and give everything. What are your thoughts on about between Vasil Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez? Uh, I think Lomachenko has to be a lot smarter than and careful than what he was against Luke Campbell because he can punch um, Teofimo Lopez and he showed that in plenty of his fights. I, at first, when I watched a few of his fights, I wasn't convinced they were hyping him up. But when he, he beat Richard Comey, I, I'm, I'm a believer, do you understand? So um, I think... He has to, I don't know, I think Lomachenko still gets the win, but it's a, it's a dangerous fight. And just somebody who I know you'll know well from your time on GB, Anthony Joshua, has a small little IBF mandatory defence against Kubrat Pulev on the horizon. What do you make of their fight? Um, that's a great fight. It was, it was meant to be made on the first um, Principality show. I think it was in October 2017. Yeah, and then 20. he dropped out attack. Yes, and Takam jumped in. So for me... I think AJ gets the win, um, but he's still dangerous. He's very experienced. He, he was at the top of the amateur game, same as what AJ was. Um, and he's got a brother that was at the top of the amateur game, and he's got great sparring. I suppose I don't know whether they spar each other now, um, but he's very experienced. So I, I think it'd be a very good fight. It'd be exciting, but I think AJ knocks him out uh, middle to late rounds.
We obviously recently saw Tyson Fury produce a superb performance against Deontay Wilder, stopping him in the seventh round. If a fight is ever made between AJ and Fury, how do you see that one playing out? Who do you edge towards? I know you've got your allegiances to Anthony, but though aside, how do you see it going? You've put me on a spot now, haven't you? Um, listen, when I watched Tyson Fury, the last fight, I just thought he was unbelievable. He didn't put a foot wrong. Um, he'd done what he had to do. And for me, he was just un unbelievable. He was out of this world. And I thought he'd win, but I didn't think he'd win in the style he did. He was just... He just took it to the next level. Then he proved that he was at the top of the uh, top of the tree. Um, AJ obviously had that slip up against Ruiz. He came back and put his wrongs right, um, and he boxed beautifully and he boxed the tactics. And uh, with that fight, if that fight ever happens, I I don't I, listen. It'll be a very close fight. I can I, I can see it two ways. I can obviously. Um, Tyson Fury completely outboxing him and getting him so frustrated that he, he starts lunging in and whatever else or AJ keeps nice and compact bees calm, bees calm and um, patient keeps walking him down and and gets on him and stops him late but um, if Tyson Fury tries to do all the leaning on inside and whatever else I think that'll play to AJ's in, into AJ Chan's because he's very good on the inside um, he's compact so yeah I can see it going two ways it'll either be a late stoppage mid, mid to late stoppage with AJ or Fury winning by completely outboxing him but it's um, if I had to pick one like, I ain't going to tell you though. <laughs> I ain't gonna, I'll keep that to myself well Joe I'll leave you there then I'll leave you to enjoy the rest of your day as always it's been a pleasure to speak to you and thanks for speaking to Boxing Social good luck with your preparations ahead of May night cheers thank you This is Andy Poroff, Boxing Social, in association with Betfred. And once again, I'm joined by Eddie Hearn. This time in Cardiff. Eddie, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. The travelling salesman continues. <laughs> I was laughing at myself this morning because I was just... I got the train to uh, Liverpool Street, then I got the, the uh, tube to Paddington. And I was running for the train to, from Paddington to Cardiff. And I was just laughing at myself because I was thinking, if anyone saw me now... Just this big fat dollop running through the through the uh, concourse trying to get to my train. It's a life we lead, mate. It's a life we lead. Another day on the graph, another day on the grind. Eddie Hearn gets a tube. Of course I get a tube. People say that to me when I'm on a tube. What are you doing on a tube? So like if I've got a car from Liverpool Street to Paddington, take me double the time. <laughs> now one thing I did just notice is you did a little shoulder bump with yeah. uh, John Dock. Is that is that what the, the protocol is now ahead of all this coronavirus talk or it's more just I don't know. <laughs> I think now you go up and shake people's hands, they're like, oh, a couple of people are giving me the old, you know, the foot one as well. Listen, it's an interesting time, especially being involved with live events. You know, um, seen a lot of territories cancel live events. Italy has affected us because we've lost two shows there that we're going to have to reschedule. So, you know, we're all systems go here. Our team were at a government meeting yesterday to talk about the coronavirus and to talk about the procedures and... Um, the precautions and also the potential of, I guess, at some point looking at if they cancel large events, etc. Uh, it doesn't seem imminent by the sounds of things, but, you know, I guess it depends on how bad things get. And uh, it's concerning times for event promoters because it's going to...
cause a big shake-up. Obviously, we've seen it in football. You know, there's talks about the possible fans not being able to go to uh, the to the games and playing beyond closed doors. What kind of consequences do you think we'll have in boxing? I know that we won't have that in boxing because of how important yeah. the gate ticket, uh, the money made from that is. But yeah, what do you expect not, from? It's not even just the gate revenue. It's the atmosphere that's generated, especially in that specific sport. You can't have a fight with just the TV crew in the audience because that's. You know, that crowd, that energises the performance. That can take you to that peak, that moment, moment of glory. You, you imagine you've got a guy fighting for the world title, you know. Well, you imagine Usyk against Chisora, right? And, and, you know, they're battling away and Chisora lands one on Usyk, goes down, he's out, and Chisora sort of gets on the turnbuckle. Do you know what I mean? And then, like, there's no one there. It just don't work. So we're hoping, listen, we hope that for the, the country's sake that we control this... Uh, virus and everything proceeds as normal but obviously there's going to have to be precautions that everybody's going to have to take you don't really know do you we're just we're the man on the street we don't know the truth do we is it being blown out of proportion is it being kept under wraps you know is it not as bad as people say it is or is it that the stats they're saying it's only this many out of this many and flus common flus much worse who knows? We're all Eddie, have you, have you been stockpiling your loo roll then? No, no. you know my missus, well, my, this, but this is the madness of it. This is why the panic starts. My missus goes out, oh, I bought a month's worth of food today, it's all in the freezer. I said, what for? Well, just in case there's a total lockdown of everything. I said, like, your shops will be open. You're like, I mean, this is the problem that this pandemic, or what you want to call it, causes, is panic. Do you know what I mean? And it's, again, but we don't know the truth. We're always going to be lied to about this kind of stuff anyway. So we'll have to see. And we get on with business as normal. Um, everybody wants to come and watch live boxing. Everyone wants to come and watch live football. It doesn't matter. So from that, we're going to keep filling the arenas until we're told we can't do live events, which personally, I don't think will happen. You've got to be careful when you shut things down and just, I mean, Italy, but you look at the numbers in Italy, they're out of control. The numbers here are nothing at the moment, but we've got to, you know, so keep washing your hands. I'm washing my hands more than ever. I love it when people say, oh, I've started washing my hands when I go to the toilet. It's like, mate, did you not wash your hands when you went to the toilet? So, yeah, that's the corona chat anyway. I said, let's move on from the yeah. coronavirus chat and on to the boxing. You just mentioned, obviously, in fact, you just mentioned Italy there, just very briefly. I wanted to call you for yesterday yeah. whilst I was out getting some food. I just talked about Gamal. Obviously, Gamal yeah. was going to be out in Italy. Fighting for a European title. Is there any chance we could see maybe move to one of the British shows? I know you got the March yeah. 28th card, which is the day after yeah. the Italy yeah. show. It's unlikely to be on that card, but we're going to have to reschedule. I mean, Gamalia Fire is one of the most unluckiest fighters I've ever met. You know, busted, well, ripped, ripped his bicep in one arm, then ripped his bicep in the other arm, you know, then finally gets his European title shot, and the coronavirus keeps him out. So um, we're going to be looking to try and stage him on one of those cards as soon as possible, and we've spoken. I think a lot of people right now, going back to the coronavirus, it's going to be quite interesting because Poland announced today that they're limiting uh, sporting events to a thousand people. So there's quite a few shows in Poland being cancelled. So now there's shows in Italy being cancelled. Apparently Germany might do the same as well. So you're going to get all these fighters. But I've already had calls from Polish promoters today saying, can we put these fights on your card? Oh, we haven't got space, so the answer's no. But it's going to be interesting because fighters from those countries are going to start being without opportunities without opportunities to fight without opportunities to earn money and provide for their family so that it's going to be interesting and Gamal 
you know, we spoke to the uh, Italian team, they're up for uh, making that fight in the UK or wherever it's going to be, because in Italy we just don't know. You know, we don't know how long it's going to take before all is resumed to normal. So, yeah, looking to make sure we get Gamal on one of those cards coming up. Let's move on to this card, the reason we're in Wales, Eddie. Obviously, your first return to a, not necessarily a smaller hall show, but obviously we've been used to seeing AJ fight at the Millennium Stadium recently, and now we're returning to Motor Point Arena. Talk about Lee Salby, the IBF final eliminator. Talk about his fight. Well, it's a great fight. I mean, like you said, first time back in uh, Cardiff International Arena. It's a 5,000-seater, great arena. Um, six years, I think, since we were here last time with Lee Selby. I believe Anthony Joshua boxed on that card as well against Dorian Darch. And then obviously back in Cardiff uh, for Joseph Parker and for Carlos Takam. Parker was 2019, no, 18. Uh, so, you know, that was a long time ago. And it's great to be back here. Great network of fight fans in Cardiff who are excited to see televised boxing back. When you look at the card, Lee Selby against Cambosis Jr. is a brilliant fight. Go and watch George Cambosis Jr., no, he's with Lou Bella, he's with the team out there. Probably one of the top emerging Australians at the moment, undefeated, all action, fast pace, can punch. And this is the final eliminator for the IBF world title. So for Lee Selby, moving up from featherweight, um, after winning a world title at featherweight, moves two divisions, he wins this fight. He'll be the mandatory for the winner of Lomachenko against Tiafimo Lopez. We would expect that mandatory probably to vacate, but we'll have to see. It's a brilliant, brilliant fight, the main event. Uh, on the undercard, you've got Joe Caldina, who for me is probably one of the best young talents in world boxing. I watched this kid box years ago at York Hall in one of the Tri-Nation events as an amateur. And I just thought, this kid, is he could be the one to go on. He's been faultless as a professional. I don't think he's probably got maybe the accolades that he deserves so far for his performances. Obviously won the British lightweight title, Commonwealth lightweight title, moves down to Super Feather. Great performance against Tinoco last time out in Monaco. We will announce his opponent this week. You'd be surprised at the level that we're looking, because I really believe he can fight for a world title this year. So this next fight's got to be a kind of top 15 guy that's going to move him towards those levels. Um, Gavin Gwynn against James Tennyson for the vacant British title. <coughs> Oh, come on ahead. Have you got any hand sanitizer? I feel great. Um, for the British title, which is a great, great fight. We saw Gavin Gwynn give Joe Caldina a great fight. Tennyson is non-stop. I think a real problem for any lightweights out there. Chris Billum-Smith against Wales' Nathan Forley for the Cruiserweight Commonwealth title. I think Billum-Smith is one of those emerging young talents. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Sean McGoldrick, John Doherty. Uh, Jamie Cox returns to the card as well. So really, really strong card in Wales on uh, May the 9th. Two people I just want to pick up on there. Obviously, you mentioned Chris Billum-Smith. I know you was looking at possibly doing a card in Bournemouth. Where did everything kind of land in the end? So, we couldn't get an opponent. You know, I really wanted to do a next-gen on March the 14th in uh, Bournemouth. We couldn't. We offered it to Luke Watkins. We offered it to Dion Juma. And I'm not, it's not calling these people out saying their, their bum went. I'm just saying some were injured, some weren't available. Uh, Tommy McCarthy we offered it to uh, who else did we offer it to uh, Sam Hyde he weren't ready because he just lost in a fight so we run out of time to get an opponent we, we also offered it to Nathan Thorley he wasn't ready so we had to delay that I put him on this show I still want to go to Bournemouth I'd love to go there in the summer beautiful place and um, obviously that next gen was replaced with Terry Harper's next gen so, big fight for Chris Billum-Smith. I really feel like the cruiserweight division, 
is a great place to be right now. You know, you've got Lawrence Acoli about to challenge for the world title against Glowacki. You've got um, Chris Billum-Smith, of course. You've got Poor, British champion. You've got uh, Dion Juma won the final eliminator. He's due to fight Poor next. Um, you know, really, really good times for the division. Tommy McCarthy's mandatory for the European title. So I like the division. And Billum Smith and Shane McGuigan, they're up for fighting anyone, to be honest with you. He's a good, true, solid pro. And I think he's got a lot of improvement to make. I think he's very exciting. And uh, I like him. I think he's a classy guy. Um, the other man I wanted to touch on was Jamie Cox. Obviously, he's yeah. been away now for over a year. He's working with Tony Borg now. A lot of people always said that they wasn't sure whether he could compete at Super Middleweight. We obviously saw he's lost to George Groves in World Boxing Super Series. Firstly, what way is he going to be competing at on this show? I think again at Super Middle, I mean, it's going to be difficult to come back and make 160. Now, Jamie Cox, we, we started working with Jamie Cox and everything un, unrattled real quick or evolved real quick. He boxed on the Kel Brook card at Bramall Lane. The next thing, he's boxing uh, George Groves in the Super Series. You know, he, he came back, he boxed John Ryder, he had a nightmare in that fight, and now he returns, and, you know, Jamie Cox is a quality fighter. He always has been. The year out of the ring, it's going to be difficult for him to come back. He looks great, he looks re-energised. He was supposed to box previously in a six-rounder, probably about four or five months ago. So now he's, uh, he's ready to go. I'm, I'm excited, you know, I think it's exciting. He ain't really got a lot of miles on the clock, to be honest with you, and... Uh, he can punch, he's exciting, and we'll see what he's got left. The final thing before we do just move on is Lee Selby's fight. Obviously, you mentioned the final eliminator. Tiafimo Lopez, Vasil Lomachenko. How do you see that fight playing out first? Uh, I think it's a really good fight. I think, I think Lomachenko wins the fight. Um, I think he might be unbeatable uh, or close to. Devin Haney's got a few things to say about that. Um, but I think it's an exciting fight. And I think Lopez... Depends really what you take from the Komi victory. You know... If you don't rate Comey, then that victory wasn't as impressive as it might have been. But if you do rate Comey, and I'm one of those guys that does rate Comey, I thought it was a very impressive victory. I thought Tiafimo Lopez looked poor the time before that out, but I thought he looked fantastic last time. So I think the jury's out a little bit. We know he's got ability, but can he rise to beat a pound-for-pound -pound great like Lomachenko? You'd have to say no. But maybe the kid's got it. Uh, just to move away from this card and that fight and onto just a few things that you've just touched on earlier in the interview. You mentioned Usyk Chisora. When, when can we expect like, some type of formal announcement for everything? This week. Very soon. Very soon. Uh, you may see a press conference this week as well. Um, that fight is done. Um, I mean, it's the worst kept secret in boxing. May 23rd at the O2. Just a monstrous fight. Monstrous fight. It's one that's going to you know, cause a huge amount of stir when it's finally formally announced. And as it gets closer and closer, it's going to get more and more interesting because the questions start, you know, people start doubting. We know, listen, we know Usyk, he's unbelievable. You know, undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world, great movement. But up at heavyweight, there will be questions. And there were questions even in the Chaz Witherspoon fight. So let's see him against Derek Chisora. If Derek Chisora can lean on him, slobber on him, be that big, hurtful, hungry heavyweight, I don't think this is going to be easy for Alexander Usyk. In fact, sitting there as a mandatory challenger for Anthony Joshua, I think this is an incredible ballsy fight for him to take. Because if Chisora gets through these opening rounds, he's going to be an absolute nightmare for Alexander Usyk. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited by the fight, and I, I think it's a real banana skin. Obviously, Glavatsky, where can we expect an announcement there? That will be either on the uh, Chisora card or on the AJ card. At the moment, it looks like it's on the Usyk card because the WBO wants us to get that fight 
in, in the diary. So we're speaking to WBO uh, and also Kloacki's promotional team. I spoke to him this morning about the dates and you'll get a formal announcement on that this week as well. Cumble Fortuna? April 17, just finalising all the paperwork for that. That April 17, like, not, not being funny, right, but the US fight fans are starting to realise what we are doing now over there in terms of the cards we're putting on. Because you look at, obviously, the Mikey Garcia card the other week, but now again with Pro Grey against Hooker. You know, you've got um, Campbell against Fortuna. You've got Breakhouse against McCaskill. Yesterday we announced Hergovic against Jerry Forrest. We announced Danny Yelusinov against Julius Ndongo. Like these are just these cards are so deep. We've been doing it over here for a long time. Obviously, we've got bigger budget in America, so we can keep going with like world championship fights down a card. But the zone customers, US fight fans, we're really starting to see the props now. You know, it's almost like, wow, Matrim have done it again. You know, and um, yeah, I really feel like we're making uh, big progress over there. Which I just wanted to quickly ask you is, do you understand or do you see maybe British fans' frustrations when they constantly see all these world title fights in the US and they don't see it over here unless it is somebody like AJ fighting at Wembley or Millennium Stadium, this case Spurs? It's just money. It's money. You know, the rights fees in America are, blimey, 10, 15 times more than the rights fees in the UK. So it's not rocket science. You've got a, uh, an amount of money to play with in a budget for a card in the UK, and you've got an amount of money to play with in a card in the US. I would love to have that budget in the UK because it gives it gives me a buzz putting those kind of cards on. You know, I don't want people to say, oh, this isn't a great card. I want people to say, like they're saying in America at the moment, fucking hell, this is unbelievable. Listen, the cards in the UK, we've come a long way. Let's not get carried away. But... The only way we can make those monster cards, White Povetkin, Taylor Serrano, Callum Johnson against Mikalkin, Quigley against uh, Cullen, you know, etc., etc., is on a pay-per-view model. But the difference is, and this is what I said in an interview the other day, we don't even, you look at other pay-per-views, and it's not having a pop at anyone, but Fury Wilder, uh, Joyce against Dubois, the undercards are terrible compared to our undercards. But we never really get the props, and this is not a cry for support, or attention. I'm just saying, look at what we're consistently delivering. And um, the only way you can build those big cards is on pay-per-view because you have a bigger budget. You, it's really not difficult to understand. You know, it's all about the amount of budget that you have for every card. And you can only do so much with a budget. That's the Saturday night, fight night budget. That's a pay-per-view budget. And similarly, the budget for an American card as well. When we go to Italy, there's a smaller budget than the UK card. And the Italian fans will go, when are you going to put on the undercards like you do in the UK? It's all about levels. I thought he was going to put on the Italian accent, man, Eddie. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey the cheeky fucker. <laughs> Just moving away from very quickly on the Anthony Joshua Pulev uh, fight. Sort of Joe Goosen's announced he's going to try and cure up Pulev. What was your thoughts on that? I think it's a good move. I think, um, listen, whenever you hear that an opponent is strengthening the team, it's never great to hear. I remember when, Charles, it didn't work for Charles Martin, but Charles Martin bought in um, Sugar Hill, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think it was Charles Martin. And uh, Dominic Brazil had Manny Robles. And, you know, you sort of thought, thinking to yourself, fuck, they're up for this. You know what I mean? And you listen to Bob Aram's comments as well on the SPN uh, REL show yesterday. They fancy it. They really fancy this fight. And I'll tell you, we've got to make sure we're switched on. AJ's got it. He's a consummate professional. But we can't afford any slip-ups in this fight. And it's going to be another one. It seems that every fight that he goes into, apart from Ruiz one, in the last 
two or three years has been that pressure of, oh, you've got to win this because this is next, you know? So when he boxed uh, Molina, uh, sorry, when he boxed Molina, it was like, oh, win this, Klitschko's next. Then he boxed Parker, oh, win this, Wilder's next. You know, the Ruiz one fight was the only one where everyone was saying, when is it going to happen? Ruiz two, his career was on the line. You know, and now Pulev, oh, you've just got to win this, you've got Fury. So just you've got, you've got to focus on the event itself and the fight itself, because in this game, it's very dangerous. My final thing, Eddie, because no press conference is about to start. You mentioned the other day at the end of the Manchester show, you had brief discussions with Aram on the back of some comments from others. How deep did those discussions go? Because once again, I'm seeing people prop up saying that you didn't have any. Because we had, I don't know, half a dozen conversations with Aram about the Pulev fight, about Fury Joshua, talking about networks, talking about where it's going to be, talking about dates, talking about step aside. No negotiations, just conversations. But I think, you know, it's pretty obvious that MTK are going to be leading all the discussions for this fight and they'll be in charge of that. And we'll continue that and hopefully we can beat Pulev, Fury can beat uh, Wilder. It's a done deal. Well, Eddie, I'll leave you to go do your job now. Thanks for speaking social. Cheers, Ed. Just while we're talking about broadcasting um, events, the Zone UK, it was uh, announced last week, they're going to be coming into the UK market starting on the 2nd of May, most likely. What did you make of that news? Oh, people have been talking about it. Well, what they're doing, they, I think they, when, they do these deal, when they do their deals with uh, their promoters, they acquire the worldwide rights for most of their shows. So it make, makes sense for them, I would assume, to just show those fights. I don't know if they're going to be promoting, putting shows on in the UK. I mean, I have no idea and I don't know how that works out when with uh, Sky and the deal they've got with their promoter. Again, that's a question to ask them. I mean, for me, the more competition, the better. The more TV companies get involved in the sport, it's got to be great for boxing, great for our sport and more important, great for the boxers. Increase their earning capacity. I mean, in the short term, it appears that the uh, Matchroom USA shows that currently are on Sky will be reverting back to the zone over I've, here. I've got no idea. Don't, don't even ask me. I have no idea. I mean, only the only person that can tell you that, well, not the only person. I'm sure DAZN can tell you or Sky can tell you. But if you're a Sky subscriber and you want to find out, pick up the phone and ask Sky. Do you think DAZN then are more of a threat to Sky than any other broadcaster because of the relationship Matchroom have with DAZN? Yeah, I don't think so at all. I think I think Sky Sky's been a. I mean, I, I sort of basically got Sky into boxing in a big way and, uh, and, and was instrumental in building their business. Uh, they're, they're, they've got new owners now, and they'll, they'll determine what direction they're going to go and what they want to invest in, what sport they want to invest in. Boxing's always been a great sport for them. They do lots of, do lots of pay-per-view shows now, I believe, because obviously it's, it doesn't affect their budgets. Not, by doing a pay-per-view show, they've not got to pay rights fees out. That's maybe why you've seen so many pay-per-view shows, and I don't know, but um, you know, their immediate competition is going to be, is and will be, BT. And we know that Matchroom's contract with Sky runs out in about a year's time. There's speculation already that they might then link up with DAZN as they have in the US. Do you have a kind of a horse in the race where you'd like them to end up? Does it help you either way? I, I don't care. I'm, you know, I'm in the BT business. You know, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. I'm with BT. We've got a long-term deal with them. And it's working very well. We've built some great fighters up, some, some, put some good fights on, and built some fighters up on there, giving them some great exposure. And, they, and winning titles, and uh, that's the way we're continuing to do. Uh, 
whatever happens between DAZN and Sky and the, you know, the relevant promoters, uh, it will shake out. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously, I won't say I'm not interested in seeing where it all goes, but it's going to be quite interesting. I'm sure everybody's circling. Last time we spoke to you, you said about extending the relationship with BT, even though I think there's still quite some time to run. Is, is that still discussions yeah. going back and forth? It's not discussions. We're, we're pretty much uh, in a position where we'll be making announcements soon. Brilliant. That must be great for you to build from a position of such security. Well, it is. And also, it's, you know, you've got to remember, it's, it's, they're only doing that because what we've delivered. You know, up to now, in a very short space of time, They've, got, they, they've been broadcasting the best heavyweight on the planet's fights. The best two, two next-tier level guys in the heavyweight division to fight each other on the 11th of April. And that's besides all the other fighters that we've been putting on in good fights. So we're in good shape and we've got a tremendous, tremendous uh, group of fighters coming through. Who are going to? I think going to be mega stars by the end of the year, early next year. Some really good quality youngsters, and I think that's going to be great for, again for boxing, for us, and for BT. So the feedback from BT has obviously been overwhelmingly positive. Is there anything they've said in terms of they want more of anything? Like you know, they've said, "Look, Frank, it's going great, but we'd really like to see more of this or that." No, they're happy. With what they trust. You know, they, they put their trust in us. You know, you know, they're not the first platform we built. I built domestic boxing on ITV. There was no domestic boxing on ITV. I built domestic boxing on Sky. I built domestic boxing on Satanta. Um, Just need you to do BBC now. B yeah. <laughs> I, never, I, never, I only did two shows in my whole, whole uh, um, career on, on, on that channel. But, uh, and, and we're doing the same with BT. We're building them. We know, I know, what, I know what, what it takes and what we have to do. And we've done it time and time again. And, and as I say, I'm focused entirely on BT. That's where we're at. That's... We like working with them, we like working with the people there, they're, they're committed and they're very close to the boxing. You know, we actually, they, they come and meet the fighters and so forth. So we, we, we had a really good, you know, sort of a good relationship and it's continuing to even be stronger as we move forward. This is Andy Perloff, Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm Dob Jumbo, the Commonwealth Cruiserweight Champion, Chris Billum-Smith here in Wales. Chris, how are you doing? Very well, thanks mate. Yourself? I'm all good mate, obviously good to see you doing well yourself. As I mentioned, we're here in Wales, you return to the ring once again on May 9th. Nathan Forley defending your Commonwealth title for the first time. Talks about Nathan and what do you know about him? Not much, obviously he's, he hasn't really, uh, he's not very well known. Seen a few clips on YouTube but nothing major. He's just come up to Cruiserweight recently, like in the last year or so. Um, was a light heavyweight, was Welsh light heavyweight uh, champion. He's undefeated though, and, and the Welsh have can produce very good fighters, so I can't take him lightly. Like I said, he's undefeated, so he'll be confident coming in, and he'll be looking to, uh, I imagine, what will be seen as an upset. He'll be looking to cause an upset on the night, but uh, you know, I'll be preparing properly. I've been in camp all year, a few lighter weeks here and there. Just been out sparring Maris Breedis for two weeks, so um, you know, I've had great prep as a pre-camp and now we've got eight, nine weeks of, of good training. I know you're going to want to go out and put on a show, put on 
a performance because obviously the domestic scene currently is packed with a, a lot of potential fights for yourself. I know you're keen on the React Paul rematch amongst many. But how do you kind of see the bout going between yourself and Nathan on May 9th? I'm going to have to be patient, have a look at him because, like I said, he hasn't boxed anyone of note. He's, he's fought journeyman at cruiserweight. Um, obviously boxed Jermaine Assair, but he and stopped him, but he's been stopped a few times himself anyway, so not really much you can take from looking at his record, so I've got to go in there and be switched on early on, have a look at him, see how, how he comes up and how he shapes up, and then uh, go about my work, um, and I think that's what the, I imagine Shane will tell me to do, because um, like I said, we don't know much about him, but just to get, get, a, get a foothold in the fight early doors, and, and, um, and obviously as always, look to take him out. You've obviously had time to reflect since your Craig Glover win. What did you make of your performance? Uh, yeah, it was it, obviously it was good. It was it was decent. It was nowhere near what I'm capable of. Um, it was nerves going in, but I was confident as well. Um, there was just a lot riding on the fight for me. Um, but yeah, the performance was was okay. I took too many shots, but I knew I was hurting him, and I didn't feel hurt in there at any point. So I felt like I could you know maybe take a few more risks and that's that's what I did and got the stoppage but um, because we don't really we don't really know how, how hard Nathan punches so maybe take you know less risks in this fight but just um, and sit, see what happens there but yeah the glove the glove fight was a good performance but I've improved even since then in training and then obviously just come back from sparring Breedis and I've improved again and um, sparring the number one cruiserweight in the world you can't do anything but improve and you've got to be switched on every round every second um, and I'm really pleased with how I performed out there Talk about that sparring with Breedis how did it go how did you find the experience Yeah brilliant they looked after us well I mean the gym was in a dungeon in, 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 in the middle of Riga somewhere in this massive centre so uh, it was it surprised me but I think he's building it uh, getting his own gym sorted at the moment so I'm a bit more up to date but it was uh, it was it was humbling to see uh, a world champion, you know, the world number one, training in that sort of environment. Um, but it was uh, it was great experience for me. It was, you know, he's he's proven himself at, at the very top level. He, you know, he gave Usyk arguably his hardest fight, went to points. So he's a tough bloke, and he gave me some great work. And um, I learned so much out there. I had to adapt and learn and really think uh, during the during the round, during the spa. So I really feel like. I've improved as a fighter from the two weeks. What was it like from the aspect of being, just being in Riga itself? Obviously, you just mentioned he was like he's training in a dungeon at times. In comparison to what you'd be used to in Kent with Shane and the rest of the group, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was slightly different. I had Josh Pritchard with me, so um, you know we had had the banter still going, the McGuigan and Jim chat was still going, so that's all good. But the uh, they looked after us. You know, we were staying in, in in a nice hotel and stuff, and the food was all good. It was just uh, where we sparred was a. Uh, a uh, bit of a rough gym, but that's that's what you want, you know. It's, it's you don't want it easy, you know. We're down in Kent, and uh, we've we've just got double beds. I found out the other night, so we're all buzzing because we've got double beds now. Now we're getting treated like world champions, and um, but now it's uh, it, it's it was a really good experience for me. I love Riga as a city. You know, we got out. I was training in the morning when on the days I wasn't sparring, and then get out and, and see see the city. Um, it was it felt like a holiday outside of the sparring in in and the training. So. It was nice mentally. It was like a break, but it was also mentally very tiring at the same time because you got to focus on sparring the the world number one. But it was a great experience. Absolutely loved it. I know you was keen to have a show in Bournemouth, which could just couldn't be pulled off because you couldn't get an opponent. I spoke to Eddie about it earlier. 
where did everything kind of end up with that? I know Eddie's mentioned you just couldn't get opponent. But what kind of discussions and how deep into negotiation did you go to try and get a showdown in Bournemouth? It was it was penciled in. Um, they offered Luke Watkins a fight. As far as I'm aware, Luke Watkins got offered decent money for the fight and then asked for more money. And Well, not him necessarily, but his team offered, asked for more money and a, you know, a deal after it, even in defeat. So it's not really how it works. You know, we got to take risks. You didn't see me doing that against Glover, where it was, a lot more was on the line if I'd lost to Glover and, and, and things like that. But I think they thought they were worth more because they boxed on Sky before, even though those the fights on Sky had been against Lawrence and Isaac and, he, and he'd, he'd lost both of them. So maybe they, they sort of uh, prized themselves out of the fight, which was a shame because he's from Swindon. I know Luke, I believe Luke would have been up for the fight. Um, I just think business got in the way, unfortunately. Um, me and Luke have sparred many times over the years when I was an amateur and uh, we've had some wicked spars um, and I believe it would have been a wicked fight and a great show and Bournemouth like I've said before it's never had a televised professional show so um, fingers crossed we can we can get that to get that working at, at some point maybe maybe in the summer or later in the year but obviously um, I've got to focus on May the 9th first Eddie did say he would like to do something on the summer. Summer down on the south coast don't sound too bad to me, Chris. Nah, it'd be good, mate. If the weather's good and it's a Saturday night, there'll be stag dudes down there. You can go down the beach in the day, mate, and, and you know, get some sun. It's a nice beach down there. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, hectic, in the, hectic in the summer, but it's, uh, there's no, no better place in the summer. Hopefully something can be pulled off then, Chris. But before I do let you go, obviously, your newest camp mate, Anthony Fowler, successful on Saturday night. I know you're giving me a cheeky grin there. Can't really take much away from because of his opponent. Obviously, he had a pull out uh, on Tuesday of fight week. But what do you think we did see from the work he's been doing with Shane for the level of opponent he was in with? I think the the, the speed of him sort of came out a bit, and, and, and the confidence being around him. Maybe you couldn't really see it on the night, but the confidence, uh, like in the ring, you couldn't see it. But just being around him and speaking to his mates who were there before he joined the camp and after, and they're he's just much happier and. Hopefully, I think he was out again before he fights Fitzgerald, ideally. I believe that's getting talk, spoke about in the summer. Um, so hopefully they can do that um, but, and hopefully he can get out again. But um, yeah, he's, 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 he's very confident and happy and comfortable where, where he's at. Uh, just Pritchard said he had a, a very slippery opponent. I thought that was one of the best puns I had, uh, I heard from the other night. Um, so yeah, I don't know what happened there. Uh, maybe... Maybe we'll lend him some, some boots next time if he, if he gets invited back, which is unlikely. But, um, yeah, he's uh, Fowler's good. He, he's, I've seen the improvements in the gym myself. Uh, Shane's really happy about his progressing. So if the, hopefully the uh, Fitzgerald rematch can happen, I believe he'll, he'll really do a number on him and, and then progress from there and go on to, to achieve great things. Well, Chris, I will leave you now to go and enjoy your new double bed and play FIFA on your way back to Bournemouth. As always, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you and I'll hopefully see you soon. Thanks for Speeds Boxing Social. Nice one. Cheers, Andy.